What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom. I am your host, Michael Chandler. Disclaimer, I don't know everything in life. By no means an expert at anything, but y'all send in your questions, your hard thought questions, things you might be going through, and you have entrusted me with answering your questions, and I really, really appreciated the response thus far. Um to the this these episodes and to this podcast has been awesome. Um, I love serving you guys. I love diving deep into the things that are your struggles, the things you are struggling with, the hurdles of your past, who you're trying to be today, and ultimately who you're trying to be tomorrow and in the future. So, if you uh, just found us, make sure you send in your questions to podcast at michaelchandler.com. If you were sent here by a friend, make sure you uh, download, subscribe, send a uh, send a review. Let us know how we're doing. We read all of those messages. And uh, if you find value in this, share it today. So we're going to get right into it. Um, these questions came from a bunch of um, a bunch of my my peeps out there um, who are going through some things and I can't wait to get right into them. So thank you guys for believing in me and uh, let's get right into it with some more walk on wisdom. First question comes from Jacob. Hello, my name is Jacob and I'm 20 years old and just got out of a year and a half relationship and wanted to know how did you recover from breakups and how do you know, how did you know your wife was the one when the time came? Thanks for giving me a platform to ask this and good luck with your fight against Conor McGregor. Well, Jacob, um, relationships and breakups and getting out of relationships and moving on from relationships um, can be some of the toughest times of our lives. Something we have to be honest about. Um, It's something that I, even right now, have um, someone very close to me, a friend of mine who is going through a breakup and, uh, just being there for him, just, uh, being his, his brother through the struggle, if you will. Um, being a guy to, to listen to has been, you know, something that's kind of fresh on my mind because we're kind of, I'm helping him through it, if you will. Um, it also reminds me how much I love, um, my friends and, and people that have their own struggles as well. Um, it was a year and a half relationship. Um, and it's hard to have a little bit of context here because Jacob, I don't know if you got broken up with, got your heart broken, or if you guys just, um, grew apart and it was a cordial or I guess, uh, amicable, um, kind of 50, 50 breakup, or if it was, you just stopped wanting to be with her and you're gone. Uh, obviously if you do the breaking up, it's a lot easier than if you get broken up with, if you do the heartbreaking, it's a lot easier than if you get your heart broken. Um, the biggest thing, and this is what I've given the advice to, um, a friend of mine right now is whether you want to be in that relationship or not, no matter what, if it's a year and a half, um, if it was years and years, if it was, maybe you thought it was going to be the girl you were going to marry. Maybe you thought it was going to last forever. Maybe you had your doubts the entire time. We don't know. But either way, breakups are never easy and they don't happen overnight. Um, but the encouragement that I would give you, Jacob, is to whether you want to be with her still or not, 
whether you want to continue the relationship or not, you have to walk, wake up the next morning as a single person. You have to walk into the next room that you walk into as a single person. You have to start operating as a single person. You have to put your shoes on as a single person. You have to drive your car, drive to work, drive to the gym, go about your day as a single person. Breakups are never easy. But if we sit there and continue to lick our wounds and play the oh, woe is me game, number one, it's not attractive to the person that you may still want to be with. That would be my advice. Um, just speaking from a man's perspective and what I think a woman wants, a woman wants a man who is confident and secure in himself. A woman wants a man who can stand on his own two feet. And a woman wants a man who, when faced with adversity, he's not going to always respond perfectly. He's not always going to react um, like the man he wants to be. We all need to be shown grace that way. But the most attractive thing that a man can be is self-sufficient. The most attractive thing that a man can be is confident in himself, groveling back, being broken, being emotional, being all those things. I'm not saying don't show emotion um, because I probably would as well. Um, but also it remains a absolute truth that a man wants a or a woman wants a strong man. Now, Jacob, if you did the breaking up with, um, obviously you're in a little bit better place because your heart was probably already um, prepared for this to be happening. And it's time to figure out what happened in the relationship that made it not go the right direction. Where were your faults? Where were your insufficiencies? What about her did you not like? What about her it made her not the one? What about her made made the relationship not work? What What about her? And what about you guys and both of you guys together and how you guys interacted, how you guys responded to each other, how you guys reacted to each other, how you guys went about life together over the last year and a half. What can you learn from that? Learn about yourself. What kind of growth can you have? And also what kind of um, lessons can you kind of chalk up to, okay, the next woman that I'm looking for doesn't have this or doesn't do that or doesn't um, have these qualities. Cause I mean, it's, important. You know, we go from relationship to relationship and sometimes, you know, if you're dating a girl and it doesn't work out and you're like, man, I didn't like that about her. Then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself in a relationship with another girl with the exact same quality that you didn't like about the previous one. So you threw yourself back into a new one with the exact same quality that you already knew that you didn't like. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So Jacob, I would just say right now, wake up tomorrow morning, as a single man, listen to this podcast right now as a single man, operate like a single man, because whether you want it to or not, you are now a single man. Your best days and blessed days are still out ahead of you. Every single person has been in and out of relationships. Um, I thank God for every relationship that ended before my wife. I'll tell you that much. Um, and your leads me into your second question. Um, how did I know that my wife was the one? When the time came, man, I don't know if I want to call it luck. I don't know if I want to call it serendipity. I don't know if I want to call it God's plan, God's will. Um, but I knew very, very early on that this girl, Bree, had the potential to be everything that I ever wanted. 
for some reason, I just had a feeling. And I think I've heard that before from other people. I've also heard from other people like, man, we were just friends for a really long time or eh, I didn't really like her that much. And then all of a sudden I fell in love with her one day, you know, the relationships happen and relationships materialize in all kinds of different ways. But for me personally, I pretty much knew that Brie was going to be, be my wife within the first month of us talking and dating and, um, having that first kiss, ooh, that first kiss, I'd go into details, but that's our first kiss. All right. Um, but I think, uh, I was at the age too, you know, Jacob, you're 20 years old, man. You got your whole life ahead of you. Um, I was at the age, I was already 26, 25 years old, something like that. I think I got married at 27. So I think uh, I was 25, 26 years old. So I was a little bit older, a little bit more mature in my, my career as well. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't interested in wasting any time. I told her, Hey, I'm in love with the sport of mixed martial arts. Um, but I do like you a lot, you know, so let's pursue this thing and see what happens. She was like, well, I'm, I'm in love with medicine. I don't need you either. So it actually worked out really well for us. She was independently pursuing her goals going left. And I was independently pursuing my goals going right. And because I was pursuing my goals and dreams, I gave her the leeway to pursue hers. And then she did the exact same thing. And that, that was perfect for us. That was a perfect way to handle her. Um, just as I said, a woman is always going to be more attracted to, vastly more attracted to a man who is secure in himself and knows what he's aiming at and knows what he's looking for. So, um, Jacob, those would be my uh, my little tidbits. That would be my wisdom on that scenario. And uh, you'll find the woman of your dreams eventually, as long as you deserve to. As long as you are the man that deserves to find that kind of woman. As long as you're operating with integrity, working extremely hard, being a man of good reputation, being a man of integrity, serving others, doing the things that you need to do in order for a woman to want you. So take that to heart. Become a better man every single day. Next question comes from Riley. Hello, my name is Riley. I am from Oklahoma. Just wondered if you ever thought about going to Oklahoma State for wrestling instead of Mizzou. I love watching your fights. And could you please give a shout out to Carrie? Thank you. See you at the top. Well, number one, I would like to give a huge shout out to Carrie. Um, but yeah, Riley, uh, obviously, if y'all know my story, um, wearing the walk-on sweatshirt right now, I actually got the Cameron Haynes hat on. I'm normally wearing my my walk-on hat, but um, got the Cameron Haynes indoor hat on. But I uh, I walked on to the University of Missouri because I didn't get any offers, any scholarships from any Division One schools whatsoever. Um, so I never thought about really going to Oklahoma State because if I was going to walk on somewhere, I was definitely going to do it at Mizzou because it was the closest um, and I was a, a Mizzou fan at that point. But I will say I became somewhat of, even though Mizzou, or, uh, even though Oklahoma State was like our, our arch rivals, um, we wrestled them two or three times every single year went to Gallagher Iba wrestled them and they would come to Mizzou at the Hearn Center they would wrestle us in duels one-on-one -on -one competitions and we'd also see them at, at tournaments I have to say I, I definitely grew a liking for Oklahoma State watching the the orange the guys go out in the orange singlets and the the black and orange warm-ups and 
John Smith was the head coach, getting to know him a little bit here and there, watching him coach, wondering what it would, what it would be like to to be coached by him. You know, um, as I said, I'm a I'm a black and gold Mizzou Tiger through and through, but you can't help but to you just respect so many of these people. You have so much respect for everybody in the sport of wrestling. You know, um, everybody in the Big Twelve especially we were the big 12 whenever I wrestled Oklahoma state, Iowa state, Oklahoma, um, Mizzou and Nebraska. Um, so those guys, we wrestled so many times a year, you couldn't help, but even though they were your arch rivals, even though they were, they were your conference competition, the guys in those singlets were the guys that determined whether or not you were going to be able to make it to NCAAs, how you were going to do at the big 12 tournament. Um, and ultimately how successful you were going to be. You couldn't help, even though they were your arch rivals, you couldn't help but respect them a ton and, you know, gain a liking for them. So um, thank you for your question, Riley. Um, shout out to Oklahoma and all my Oklahomans. Uh, shout out to Carrie for sure. Um, and thank you. Next question comes from Evan. Hey, Michael, question for you. Where do you see yourself after the big fight with McGregor? What will you, what will you do afterwards if you win? Or what will you do afterwards if you lose? I commend your mental strength and your words of wisdom. Shout out from the province of New Brunswick, Canada. Evan. Um, good question, Evan. Um, and I actually got that question yesterday from who did I get that question from? Oh, my friend Monica. We were we had a meeting uh with uh someone in town that hopefully we will be able to uh announce sometime soon if it all goes through. But um she said, What are you gonna do after the counter fight? I'm like, well. I don't really know. I'm really focused on this counter fight right now, you know? Um, but the specific question is what would I do if I win? What would I do if I lose? You know, I think, uh, I think a win over Connor, you know, after the, after the fight buildup of the 12 weeks of the ultimate fighter, and then a huge fight, uh, with Connor, obviously getting a win, um, beating him in emphatic fashion, I believe. And I hope, um, it translates that way. Um, I'm 100% confident that I'm going to beat him. I'm 100% confident that I'm better than him in so many different areas. Um, so I think a win keeps me, you know, obviously it keeps me in that top five. Um, maybe a, a number one contender fight, possibly, depending on how the rest of the the uh, division shakes out. You know, we got a couple guys ranked ahead of me, obviously, so I'd have to get get through one of those guys. Um, and then what do I do after if I lose? Um, shoot, same thing every time I lose. Same thing every time I went, uh, just, uh, keep on keeping my head up, getting better, realizing that losing is part of the process. Um, and, uh, kind of see what the, what the UFC is thinking after that. So, um, Evan, you also said you commend me for my mental strength and my words of wisdom. So thank you for that. It's just what I'm trying to do. Trying to be a light here, trying to be a, uh, a guy on this platform, on this microphone to speak into y'all's ears over these airwaves and hopefully make you feel something. So thanks for the question, Evan. And shout out to New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, next question from Dave. Morning, guys. Um, question for you, Mike. A couple of quick questions for you, actually. Did you find any challenges to the show specifically regarding your faith? Anything more so than regular? Also, follow up to your music answer on the live talking about NF. Have you heard slash listened to Manifest? My name is Dave Fretz. I live in Southern Ontario and I work as a graphic artist in MMA. Love to collaborate sometime. Looking forward to watching this season of Tough. Um, so did I find any challenges to the show specifically regarding my faith? Anything more so than regular? Um, I think you're talking about the Ultimate Fighter show. Um, 
That sound right, Connor? Yeah. Talking about the show. Um, no, I mean, not really regarding my faith. I mean, anytime we get busy, um, sometimes our uh, faith can get put on the back burner because um, as humans do, especially us men who think we can do it all on our own and shoulder it all, um, sometimes we say, hey, God, take the back seat, man. I'm busy right now, right? <laughs> um and so that was definitely one of the busiest times of my life, being there for four weeks straight, filming 30 days straight. Um, we had a day or two off, maybe, uh, maybe a half day here and there. But for the most part, wake up, um, try to spend my time, my quiet time uh, in prayer and gratitude and all that kind of stuff in my journal. And then it was right to hitting the hitting the the ground running, thinking about these guys, thinking about how I got them, was going to get them specifically trained up physically, mentally, spiritually, to be able to go out there and win their fights. And then we would practice, then I'd have some sort of, you know, we'd take the guys out to lunch, my team out to lunch, and then some kind of interview or something almost every single day, it felt like. So in those times of extreme busyness, we have to make sure that we continue to say, A, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. B, thank you for these challenges. Thank you for this busyness, because busy is a blessing and pressure is a privilege. Um, Praying James 1.5 asking for wisdom. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit more regular. Um, it was a little bit more so than regular when I'm kind of living my everyday normal life, when I can kind of choose my own schedule and not just be, uh, at the whims and the fancies of a production company that who says, Hey, you got to show up here. You got to show up early today, or Hey, you can't show up today, or Hey, you got to work out here. Or, hey, you got to do this interview, you know? So it was being pulled in a bunch of different directions, but I think it was a great experience for me, uh, to grow as a follow-up question, um, about music. Um, and my live, I guess an Instagram live he's talking about, talking about NF. Have you heard of slash listened to manifest Connor? Can you play manifest or look up manifest? I don't know if I, I've heard of Manifest. I, if you guys know, I'm one of the biggest NF listeners and fans of all time. Um, so his top song has 40 million views, so or man, 40 million downloads. So man, Manifest. Yeah. What is that? It's a song. It's an artist. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I thought Impossible a, is his top song. Okay. I thought it was a. I thought it was an NF song called Manifest. No, it's a full. And I thought I was failing as as the the uh, the president of the NF fan club here, but he's talking about manifest. Okay, hey, shout out to manifest. We're going to listen to you because uh, obviously, if Dave is bringing up NF and also manifest in the same sentence, maybe manifest got a little bit of a sound like NF. Even though NF is the greatest rapper alive, if you guys don't listen to him, Nate Ferenstein, uh, he's the best rapper alive. Uh, just came out with a new album called Hope. Um, and if you guys have been following him for a while, hope is really, really cool. Actually, my walkout song is called The Search, and he talks about the map to hope. And on the on the on the uh cover of the album is him standing on a makeshift little uh boat in the middle of the sea wearing all white with a map in his hands. And the album is called Hope. So I can only imagine that that it was the map to hope. And all of his newest, newer stuff, he really talks about the growth that he has had. Um, and I love listening to his stuff and listening to uh, how much he has grown over the last uh, 10 years I've been listening to him at this point. So shout out to Dave Fretz from Southern Ontario. That's their second question from Canada today. So shout out to Canada. Next one comes from KD. 
If you win by TK or by K, by KO or TKO or submission, will we see the backflip off the cage again? Come on, KD, dude. You're trying to make me break my legs. Um, so what is he he is alluding to? So my debut was January 23rd of 2021 in the UFC and uh knocked out Dan Hooker the first round, climbed up the cage, stood on it. Did a big old backflip, and uh, it was the first time I'd ever done that in my entire life, and it would probably be the last time I ever do it. Um, I will, when I knock out Connor by KO, TKO, or finish him with a submission, you will see some backflips off of the actual ground, but not off the top of the cage. That was a bad idea. Only because of, uh, you know, providing for my family and my health and all of those other things that uh, my wife was, you know, not happy about. Neither was Dana. I remember Dana... (laughs) Then it got on there and I was actually right. I was in the room when he said it. He's like, how about this effing guy? You know, he finally gets a shot in the UFC, knocks the guy out. Then he wants to jump off the cage and do a backflip. Like, like you want, like both of his ankles and knees were going to blow out. And he walked, he walked off the stage and walked to me. I was like, Hey Dana, sorry about the backflip. It's kind of badass though. huh?" He's like, yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, but it was true. Um, but no KD, you won't see me jump off the cage. Um, but I definitely will be doing some backflips off of the ground. So next question comes from Brock. Hey, Michael, I have heard you talk a lot about the struggles you faced with your inner self-belief. I struggle with this at times. I just picked up the book Mind Gym, which I have heard you talk about in the past. Do you have any tips or lessons you have on the subject of self-belief in sports? Thank you. See you at the top. Uh, yeah, so Brock, I actually, uh, I do bring up the book Mind Gym. I need to pick that gym, that book up again and read it. I think I gave it away because um, that's kind of the best thing you can do with a book. Read it a few times and give it to somebody who needs it. Um, but one of the one of the biggest things that I uh, took from that book, uh, I know I talked about it on the Joe Rogan podcast um, quite a bit. Actually, we talked for a little while about that stuff and uh, this idea of a mental highlight reel. And the way that I would unpack it is at its core, at its surface, and the most important thing about it is right now, I'm just living in the present. And we talk a lot about on the show, not living in the past, not not uh, focusing and hyper-focusing on the failures of your past, but I think it's a good thing to look back, close your eyes, visualize, and pat yourself on the back for the successes of your past. The things that you are proud of about yourself, the performances that you're proud of, the moments where you outperformed your, your expectations of yourself, the moment, the, those moments where you really felt like you overachieved those moments where you said, holy cow, I didn't know I was capable of that, but I was, and I am. And if I was capable of it there, I can be capable of it in the future. So actually writing it down, making a physical list of your mental highlight reel, reading those things off and then closing your eyes, visualizing it. You know, one of the things on mine was, um, it was senior night at Mizzou, Mizzou wrestling. It was senior night. My last time I was ever going to wear the Mizzou singlet at, uh, at the Hearn center at Mizzou. And I was wrestling a guy that I had always had tough matches with. I had lost some matches to him, 
beat him a couple times. That night, I think I major decisioned him. Everything was clicking. Everything was flowing. Everything was good. I gave myself permission to be the best that night. I didn't just give myself permission to win and eke out a close decision. I, I went out there and I was on the offensive and my defense was solid and my, my reaction time was on and I was strong and I was in shape and I was confident. I just remember how I felt. I remember, I remember what it smelled like. I remember what the lights felt like. I remember I can close my eyes right now and look all the way around the Hearn Center and what it looked like, what the mat looked like, what my singlet felt like, all these different minute details. Because as I've talked about a lot on this show too, we can get caught up in the humility game and everybody wants to be humble. And man, I like that guy because he's so humble. I like that guy because he operates with so much humility. And I do think humility is one of the cornerstones of being a good man and a good human being. But we must make sure that we don't dive so deep into extreme humility that we think less of ourselves than other people. One of the ways that you can make sure that you can operate in humility, but also make sure you have a, a, a healthy self-image and a healthy dose of confidence is by closing your eyes and visualizing all those times that you were successful, that you outperformed your expectations of yourself. Because rehearsing those things, remembering those things, unlocks your future potential, unlocks it within you that you remember how you felt, what it tasted like, what it looked like, how you felt, how you walked, how you operated. The emotions that welled up inside you, so then... You can do that in the future. So Brock, yes, read that book. As you said, you've struggled with, uh, you know, inner self-belief. Mind Gym will help you. Um, I bring it up at this point every single show now, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen off of uh, Amazon. I did just uh, get the opportunity to meet Tim Grover, who is a awesome mindset coach for, uh, well, mindset definitely not a motivation coach. He said, I don't motivate people. I elevate people. Um, but Michael Jordan's coach, Kobe's coach, he just sent me his books, Relentless and Winning. So I'm excited to dive into those. Um, so those are a couple, uh, a couple good ones. And then, uh, so yeah, that was the, those are my specific tips and lessons on the subject. Um, not only reminding yourself all the times you've been successful, but definitely showing yourself the grace whenever you do fail and do fall short because we all will fall short. And everyone you've ever looked up to in the past, the present, or the future, everyone that you aspire to be like has at one point or another been a failure and they just continue to move from failure to failure, setback to setback without losing steam, without losing the enthusiasm and losing the belief that they will eventually become the man or woman that they all so desired um, because of the unwavering faith. So thank you, Brock, and I'll see you at the top. Next question comes from Kyle. Hey, Michael, just a quick question about burnout. How often do you train and how do you go about recovery? I've had a lot of injuries throughout my career, so I find it difficult to do multiple days in a row of grappling. Well, Kyle, this is a tough one um, in the sense that I can give you an overarching kind of theme about training and recovery. Uh, but me, myself, man, I I don't know if it's um, the blessings from the Lord above, if it's genetics, if, it's, if it really is just uh, an attention to detail with my supplementation and recovery methods, but my body usually feels pretty darn good um, no matter how much I'm training. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with diet, sleep. Um, a lot of it has to do with the more I work out, 
honestly, the better I feel. And a lot of that has to do with the more that I work out, the more attention to detail I put into my roller, my recovery, myofascial release, making sure I'm getting uh, massages and body work as well. Um, so as far as uh, how often I train in training camp, I'm training five days, well, four days a week, two a days, usually once on Friday, and then maybe a run or something when I get home on Fridays, and then uh, one training on Saturday, and then off on Sunday. So I'm going about six days a week. And most of those days are two a days. Um, as far as recovery, um, definitely on my roller every single day. Um, I got a hyper hypervolt hyper ice gun. Um, I've got their ball. I forget what it's called. The hypersphere, maybe. Um, all these different recovery tools. Um, I do the ice barrel, um, cold therapy, a couple of times a week. Um, this week I've made it a goal to wake up at five in the morning every morning this week to make it just a personal goal. Cause I usually wake up about six before my kids wake up, just give myself an extra hour. So I'm waking up at five and doing the ice barrel, um, after I take my son to school usually, but just making sure I do that every day. You can call that recovery. Um, you know, it's not like icing your knees and icing your, your body. Um, traditionally, like you would, if you put an ice pack on for 20 minutes or so for me, I do it more for the immune system for the, uh, the endorphins and the the mental clarity that I feel as well as for me, the sense of accomplishment. Um, I do like the hyperbaric chamber. Um, supplementation wise, you guys can check out my supplementation list uh, at walkonfit.com or if you, for our members of Walk On Fitness, the app um, where we have all of our programs, our fitness programs, plus um, our diet and our supplementation list. I am, I've currently been on the same kind of supplement stack, if you will, for about the last two years. Um, and I won't give you all of those details, but you know, fish oils, turmeric, uh, multivitamin in the morning, multivitamin in the evening, um, beta alanine and numerous others. Took about 30 pills this morning. So, um, and I'll take about 20 at night. So um, walkonfit.com, that's where my supplementation list is. And I do think supplementation, rest, and recovery are key. So um, definitely, Kyle, get on your roller and get some body work if you need to. If your body is getting sore, joints are aching, um, pump those anti-inflammatories and watch your diet. Next question comes from Anonymous. I love when they're anonymous because that means they're usually a pretty darn good question. Um, how do you train the ruthless instincts that you have to have as an MMA fighter? Punching someone during ground and pound, especially when they are a training partner, preparing me for a fight is challenging for me to continually do. It's more of a mental slash spiritual question, they say. Um, so anonymous, um, it's actually an interesting question because it is true. You know, if you're training baseball and they're pitching the ball to you. You're trying to hit that ball as hard as you possibly can. When you're training uh, so many other sports, you're trying to go as hard as you can. But in mixed martial arts, you're a really bad training partner if you're, as this person said, you know, taking someone down and just beating them as hard as you possibly can on the ground. Defenseless guy, person. Um, obviously, there's there's a little bit here and there where you kind of throw in some shots to make sure you keep them honest, keep them honest to get up and move or else you're going to lay down there and just get beat up. But um, they're talking about the disconnect between when I'm in the cage and I'm trying to, you know, 
do some damage, some legitimate damage. And how did I actually train that? And the answer is I didn't. Um, the answer is you, you can't. Um, I mean, I guess you can, but I'm not of the, uh, I'm not of the thinking that I need to throw my punches a thousand percent or a hundred percent, if you will, to be more realistic with the percentage, but throw my punches a hundred percent in order for it to manifest itself inside of the cage. When I'm inside of the cage, I'm throwing my punches as hard as I possibly can. Throw my kicks as hard as I possibly can. Elbows and knees. It's another thing you can't really train in mixed martial arts. You know, I mean, I guess you can, and some, some gyms are different. Uh, you can wear knee pads and throw knees. Definitely dangerous. You can wear elbow pads and throw elbows. Definitely dangerous. Um, you can throw those front kicks like I hit Tony Ferguson with, but that's why, uh, you know, me and my coaches, we kind of talked about, I didn't really train it that much. I mean, actually training it is, is actually moving, setting it up and throwing it and landing it and, and on a sparring partner in training. We weren't doing that at all. Every now and then I would throw it up there, kind of show it. Um, but if you're hitting people with front kicks during sparring, ugh, it's a little rough. Um, it, rough in the sense where it's like, eh, I don't really want to go, go with that guy. You know, um, I've gotten to the point now where you guys would be very surprised at how the level at which or the the tenacity and the, the ferocity um, that I spar with these days. You know, um, a lot of fighters and uh, whoever this question is coming from, don't know the age or if they're a professional MMA fighter or whatnot, but I've been around a lot of fighters that left their entire career inside of the gym. They sparred so hard inside of the gym like they were making a paycheck. They sparred so hard with so much ruthless instincts, um, with so much viciousness, so much vitriol that, uh, that before you know it, the chin kind of goes away and the ability to take a punch has gone away and they did most of their best performances inside of the, inside of the gym and not enough inside of the cage. And I think, uh, these last, I'd say seven years at this point, these last seven years, um, I made a promise to myself that I was, you know, going to spar a little bit, not, not spar less, but I was going to go with the right people who we had a, a gentleman's agreement, um, a social contract of sorts to where we weren't going to try to beat the heck out of each other. <laughs> we weren't going to try to do damage and lose brain cells and take the chance of losing uh, a fight over it. You know, if, if one of my training partners is going crazy and they hit me with a leg kick and do something bad to my knee or they catch me in an arm bar and I know they're, and it feels like they're going to break my arm. I mean, that's just, I make a, I make my paycheck by showing up on fight night to be able to provide for my family and, and serve my purpose here on, on earth. Um, so going with and choosing training partners that I know have their best interest, of course, so they want to get better, but also my best interest of being a good training partner. So, um, to answer this question, it really is tough. You can't, you can't train the same way that you fight in a lot of ways. <clears throat> now, grappling wise, wrestling wise, hitting mitts, throwing as hard as you possibly can. But when there's another opponent or training partner in front of me, I'm not trying to hit his head as hard as I possibly can. You know, I'm not trying to, I want to break his will here and there. I want to feel someone break underneath me. I want to, I want to push the pace. I want to, I want to be vicious, but from a doing damage standpoint, not so much. Um, so that's a good question because it really is, it really is hard to train it. Um, and that's why it's so important. I think for visualization, going back to the previous question about mind gym that, uh, Brock brought up, 
visualizing myself in some of those fights where I did show that ruthless instinct, where I was very vicious, where people would say, holy cow, that guy's a psychopath. Visualizing myself inside of those scenarios to keep reminding myself the vicious competitor that I am. So therefore I don't have to do it physically in the gym as much. And I can protect my training partners, my training partners protect me and we all get to our fights happy, healthy, and hard to kill. Um, so that was the last question for this episode. Um, lot on mindset, lot on um, self-belief, a little bit about mixed martial arts, nice little mixture there. Um, if you guys like the content, if you think this message or any of these messages will will uh, reach somebody, will help somebody, something that they are going through or it was something that you went through or are going through, make sure you leave a comment, um, write a review, hit, click those stars. Um, if you don't like the content, tell us why. If you love the content, tell us why. Share it with people, like, and subscribe. And as always, make sure you send in your, your questions. If you want your question to be answered, uh, make sure you put your name in, or if you, if you wish to remain anonymous, like that last, um, viewer or that last question that came in, make sure you, uh, specify that you want it to stay anonymous, but, um, Send your questions in the podcast at michaelchandler.com. I love bringing you guys content. I love bringing you guys value. I love the opportunity that I have to reach as many people as I have had. Um, and you only get that opportunity um, whenever you put yourself out there. So continue to put yourself out there. Continue to serve others. You can have everything you want in life if you will help enough other people get what they want in life. Uh, your best days and blessed days are out ahead of you. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Share it with somebody if you think it will help them. God bless. I'll see you at the top.